Hello and welcome to the Grit and Grace podcast. This is your host, Tanya Bruton. I'm glad that you're here today. I hope that this episode finds you happy and blessed in the Lord. So we continue to talk about recovery issues and how drugs and alcohol affect us individually and as a family and as a society, really. And today, though, I'm excited about my guest today, Miss Tiffany Bell. Tiffany, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm so thankful to be here and to be with all of your listeners. So I'm Pastor Tiffany Bell. I'm from Phoenix, uh, well, originally South Carolina, but I'm claiming Phoenix as my home. So I am here and uh, my husband and myself have a ministry called Yielded Life. And we're just showing people how to live to the fullest ability they have in Jesus every day. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, today we're just going to, we're just going to sit and talk like girlfriends and talk about... (laughs) Our stories are really, I want to hear your story. I've heard a little bit of it, but I'd like to hear you tell it to our listeners. Talk about, let's talk about, you grew up with, well, did you grow up with drugs in the home or alcohol in the home early on? Or did that happen like a little later in your, in your childhood years? Kind of take us to the beginning. Yeah. You know, so my dad was an alcoholic. Um, but actually he was a pastor, you know, until I was about two years old. So I don't remember those days. Um, by the time I can remember things, he was a well, well well-developed alcoholic, very abusive. And, you know, he just got tired of being poor and uh, come from poverty. And so he went into drug dealing, you know, that fast, quick money lure that so many people get trapped in. He did too. And so drugs were in the house. Um, it was weird, Tanya. It was ran like a very normal family, but there were, you know, certain rooms you couldn't go in and certain doors you couldn't open that kind of thing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so was he, you said he was a pastor for a little while. I guess when he got into that, he no longer was preaching or did he? Yeah. Yeah. He had stopped preaching. You know, I think what happened to him is what happens to so many. Instead of following others as they follow Christ, sometimes we follow others. And his faith was really rooted in his mom and she passed. She got sick with cancer suddenly and passed. And when she did, I believe his whole faith was so rooted in her faith as well. He just couldn't stand any longer. And so, um, yep, he just kind of got into a different scene and started drinking. And, you know, once you start that road, you'll, you'll compromise. It'll take you further than you ever meant to go. Oh, that's right. (laughs) I know that's right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that we, that that people don't realize how much drugs and alcohol are in, in the actual church. I mean, you know, in, in church folk are dealing with these issues. It's not just a worldly thing anymore, or I don't know if it really ever was just Mm -hmm. a worldly issue. It it, it can affect those in the church, but we can get free, of course. But so, so what happened as you were getting older, as you grew up in that home? Mm, Yeah. So, you know, at first he did things pretty discreetly, you know, and, and I, I, um, like any other kid, I thought, okay, you know, he kind of had a cover job. He kind of had a cover story. And so he'd go and do a couple contracting types, jobs, business painting. And I was like, oh, okay, he's working. And then before I knew it, there were drug busts that started at our house. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I had actually had a very bad accident on a playground at nine years old. Oh, that's and right. so <clears throat> I was paralyzed from the waist down for about a year and a half. During that time of paralysis, I couldn't walk or do anything. Um, and I was in some physical therapy and stuff. I remember being in my mom and dad's bed and they were actually all out in the living room. And all of a sudden 
it sounded like a thousand horses ran through the house and it was a SWAT team. Oh, wow. And, and I remember having like these, you know, three guys with these big machine, just assault looking guns, you know, and they're going, get up, get up, get up. And I couldn't get up because I had paralysis. And I remember the panic and the heart hammering and thinking, oh God, what happens next? And I could hear my mom and dad going, she can't get up. She cannot get out of bed. Um, and, you know, they were already had, you know, handcuffed my dad and he was on the ground and that kind of thing. And so very impactful for a child. Uh, it was very, very scary. And so what I learned is anytime you're asleep, anytime you're vulnerable, anytime it's not safe. And that really impacted me well into my adulthood. And even today pops up in places I wish it didn't, you know, that with Christ, I'm still walking out, to be honest. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah, even with the Lord, a lot of people think that we should just get over things and that would be great. I wish we could, (laughs) you know, and the Lord does heal certain ways and, you know, he does, does. but there's, it's it's almost kind of like physical reflexes or something that, that linger around still. So, but, uh, was, so after he got busted, did mm-hmm. he go to prison for a long or jail or did he change? Did it happen again? Or what happened then? So, you know, here was the thing I thought, oh gosh, what happens next? Life just went back to normal. He didn't do any jail time. They didn't find anything at the house. Okay. He goes away. He, he was pretty good at what he did. And what that did, we ended up going through three drug busts as a family. And what that did is every time just made me believe he was invincible. Nothing could touch him. So all the abuse that was happening at home, he was not violent towards his children, but very violent towards my mother. Very, you know, get drunk, tear up the house, beat his wife kind of thing. Um, And I remember thinking there's no safe place because even the law won't take care of him. You know, there's nothing. And so, but he loved his children. It really was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation. And so Finally, my mom and dad separated. And I remember as a child going, oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, Just because at least that part of life would calm down, right? Um, But what you don't understand is when you come out of a place where he had all the money, he had all the power, he had everything. When you come out of that situation, there's a different type of vulnerability. You have nothing. You you don't even know how you're going to pay the light bill, you know? So I remember being a 11 year old kid going, oh God, how do we eat? How do we have groceries? How do we, cause he took care of everything. And so it seemed like the, the just the simple decision of, you know what, I'm gonna sell drugs. And every time you start that thing, your, your mindset says, I'm gonna make a couple quick dollars, but you get invested very, very quickly. And that couple quick dollars turns into every day, every moment I have to be focused on making this money. You know, people are now looking at you we know that as you buy drugs to sell drugs, you got to pay somebody yourself. So it becomes just a violent circle. Right. My So that was around, yeah, you said you were like, what was it, 11 when they divorced? I, yeah, well, they separated when I was about 11. He finally got busted one more time without us when I was 13. Oh, okay. Um, matter of fact, you know, Tanya, it was such a weird situation because, again, he had never done time. Never even spent 30 days in jail. See, my, he just always got away with it. And so I believed he wasn't invincible. I truly did. it. Um, so when I was 13, I tried to call him. You know, we weren't living together. And so I tried to call him. Couldn't get him on the phone. Couldn't get him at home. And I finally called one of his partners. And I said, you know, where is dad? I don't I haven't talked to him. It's not like him. He always checked on his children. And finally, my mom had to call. And they said, you know, he's in jail. And uh, he had got placed in county jail. I still wasn't very worried. You know, because I thought, okay, money will get him out. It always does. He'll be fine. 
right up until that gavel fell in a courtroom and they sentenced him to 150 years. Wow. That was life shattering, life shattering. Um, You know, it's a death sentence. There's no way around it. That's a death sentence. Yeah. And so I remember at 13 going, okay, he's gone. What is my role now in the family? What, What do I do? And I very soon, you know, you become the things you hate. And I very soon started drinking my own pain away. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because it just is, it's a cycle. And, you know, the Bible tells us that those iniquities, you know, they'll start to chase us. those generational iniquities. And so it's so true. It's why today I don't drink. I don't care to be a part of it. Not because I'm better than anybody else, but because I know what's chasing after me. Does that make sense today? Yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, We need not be, we have to be aware of his schemes, you know? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh Mm Uh-huh. For sure. Well, I mean, did you, did you, were you able to then just to eventually put it down the drinking? Yes. Yeah. So I had, I got married at 18. Um, I, I, you know, truly do pick people like our fathers. (laughs) I got married at 18. It was not a great successful marriage. Um, I had my daughter a week after I got married. So that'll tell you where I was in life. And so I remember, uh, God just encountered me. I remember being 22. My daughter was four years old. And I, I got where I would binge, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you know. So what I would do is I would be a good girl Monday through Friday, right? And then, you know, Friday night to Sunday morning, I lived my life. I did my thing. And then I got to come home like Susie Homemaker and be a great mom because my mom was the hair of her. And you know what I realized? I realized I was doing to my mom what my dad did to her. Watch the kids while I'm gone. I was uh, doing yeah. it. Yeah. And, it, and I thought, God, I don't want to do this anymore. But who am I? I didn't even know who I was outside of that. Your identity gets so wrapped up in the drama and the trauma and the abuse that the little sweet girl, I couldn't even find her anymore. And I, I, I got to tell you, Tanya, I did something that was so bold. And I don't know if your listeners or if you can even um, just grasp where I was. But I told the Lord I went to church with a sister that morning, one of my sisters. Both of them were saved and in church at the time. And I went to church and I felt nothing. I'll be honest with you. I was so numb, mad, hard. You know, you get a callus when you're in that environment. You're not sensitive because there's not sensitive people around you always. And I remember telling the Lord, I left that church service and I said, I feel nothing. And I had a cousin who was at an Assemblies of God church. And, and uh, I told my sister, I said, let's, let's go there that night tonight. Let's go there. But what I told God was, I'm going to go into your church one more time. And if I don't feel anything, I'm never going back. Mm. And I meant, I meant it a thousand percent as much as a person can mean it. Yeah. And uh, God got a hold of me that night and turned my world upside down. And uh, it has been the greatest journey ever since. Yeah. That sounds, like I said, it sounds so much like what I went through. My parents, well, my mother and my stepfather, they divorced when I was, I guess I was about 12 or in between 12 and 13. And it was due to the fact that uh, my stepfather had, had beat me up. And mm. one night, one night when my mom was out. Right. And so, you know, of course she left. And then, like you say, there's this different vulnerability. I mean, he was, he was an engineer. We had, you know, he wasn't selling drugs or anything, but he, he dabbled in whatever he did. I didn't know at the time when I was young, but he had money. And so mm-hmm. when my mom took me and my sisters out, we moved into what was called a government apartment. 
Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and then we got these things called food stamps. And I had never seen them. I never heard of them. They were actually back then in a booklet. They didn't have the color. Right. And you tear right. them out. They were different colors. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and I mean, things like things like we have to pay in a, a pay for the lights and the water and uh, I didn't even know that that you know the struggle you know and so yes I I just I relate so much to your story and then like you say as far as like I've said that to God plenty times I know when I was I guess I was about the same age in my early 20s when I was you know had got you know wrapped up in a mess and Yep. numb and everything and yep. you know, I was raised in assembly of God at the time you know when I was growing up so I know that I know that fellowship but so I but I said I you know I wanted to go to a particular church and uh which used to be part of the assemblies of God Pentecostal church and it, it was where my granny had went and she'd passed but it was it was you know due to my I think my grandma just I don't know I think she saved me really all her prayers but I went to the church you know I mean God had God had visited me in my bedroom really and I had felt oh, yeah. presence you know and it and it, it was it was like the room turned really dark and I don't know if it was a spiritual darkness I just I just remember this though clear as day but it was just like I was alone in this room and I was really alone but there was just something that said to me that you know you know better than this you mm-hmm. know the truth and you know where you're heading and it's better than you think it's worse than you could ever think you know, mm-hmm. and, I, I'm, and and it wasn't like a bad life he was talking about. He was talking about hell eternal. I know, I knew yep. it was real. I know what gets you there. And I was on that yep. road. And so yeah. I was like, I've got to find a church. I've got to find an altar. And it mm-hmm. like that very first night, that very first night he met me there. I mean, it it, it was one of them things where an actual someone in the pew had said, you know, just disrupted service and said, I feel like I need prayer. Something's wrong. She had said that. And so of course the pastor was like, is there anyone else? Of course. I I mean, you know, it was me, it was me, it was me. And I had went down there and he left the pulpit and to come to me. And before he could put his hand on me, I hit the floor. And wow. And yeah, and I was, I was changed like that. Now I say that there were things like cigarettes and things like that, that took some time for me to put down or I, I'd put them down, pick them back up type of thing for they finally, I finally got rid of that. But, you know, for, you know, for the most part, I mean, I was, I was changed. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, so you had this experience though, where, uh, with the Lord, which again, which was wonderful. So what your dad, um, and you say, you mentioned you, did you have siblings growing up or were you the only child? I did. So, yep. So I had a half sister, my dad's daughter, and then my mom and dad actually adopted a sister or, you know, sister for me, but a daughter, um, they were having infertility issues and like many people in adoption, as soon as they adopted her, they got pregnant. And so, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so it was meant, it was meant to be. And so, yep us three girls, but you know, we're different in age. So we all had different experiences. And this is one of the things I say is that you can all live in the same house and all have a different experience. And that is hard for people to understand, but you can. And, uh, you know, everybody was in a different stage of life and understanding and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, my dad, once he got sentenced to, to prison or whatever, I was just so determined. And Tanya, maybe you felt this way. I'd already had a dad in prison, right? I feel like I was checking all the box of statistics. Yeah. Dad in prison, check. Teenage pregnancy, check. You know, parents divorce, check. You know, and I'm over here, go, you know, come from the poverty area, check. And I'm over here going, oh my gosh, now I'm in this horrible marriage. 
um, had no business ever getting into it and, but didn't want to get out of it because that was the last little claim to fame. I felt like I had. Yes. You know? Yes. And so, and so finally the Lord was like, Hey, I stayed in that marriage for 11 years. Uh, we never lived one day in the same house. He went straight into the military started living a totally separate life. And I was here going, I literally have lost everything I've ever loved. What's the point? What's the point? And the only, the only guiding light I had was the Lord and my daughter. I so wanted to be different for her than what I had. And so eventually the Lord really just freed my heart. And I got out of that, that marriage. And, you know, today I can tell you everything I went through, every prayer I cried for that marriage has been answered in the marriage I'm in today. You know, God has really blessed me with an amazing man of God. And I'm so grateful, but I can tell you that the truth is, uh, and your listeners may feel this way. Maybe you do. Some of the things we get through, right. And we go through, we bring them with us little by little. So God heals in stages. So he took the drinking away from me almost immediately. And I'm so blessed, so blessed that he did that. But there were stages of abuse and trauma that I've had to walk out. And I've come to have some compassion for myself and others. If I hadn't been taught how to walk them out, Tanya, I could not teach all the people that I teach today how to walk them out. So I don't regret the journey, even though it was super hard. Yeah. And that's, that's a hard, that's, it takes a long time to get to that place. But <laughs> yeah. And I like how you say, so when you say God heals in stages, so are you talking about yeah. the sanctification process? Um, because you know, do you ever meet those people, those, you know, they'll come yeah. into the church and they come off the streets and they just do a complete 180 and they never go back to it again. They don't have any more issues, but mine didn't work that way. But, you know, mine's been in stages from faith to faith, from glory mm -hmm. to glory, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, God, I mean. I mean, he healed the, he healed the drinking part. And that was so good because I was in a dangerous place, right? I was in that place where I was really riding the fence. I was either going to fall complete in alcoholism or I really could be pulled out if I would just allow it. So I was in a great place to get saved, I guess, from that. And so God took care of that. But in the middle of that, there was all kind of abuse that entered into my world because I had a dad that was too violent to tell. And I had a mom that was just hurt and withdrawn and trying to survive. And so you know, when we don't realize is we create an environment that's not safe for our kids, unsafe things happen. They just, they have permission, if you will, to enter in. And so when I say healing is in layers, you know, which layer are we talking about? There was a divorce and then there was, you know, your dad in prison. And then my dad actually passed away after 18 years in prison. And I have to tell you, Tanya, I preached that funeral and, and being able to preach my father's funeral and being honest. And I preached the prodigal son because my father had loved the Lord at one time. And I will be honest with you, had I not seen it with my own eyes, I would have said, oh, this is some last minute attempt to get to heaven kind of thing. But man, the Holy Spirit was all over him. You know, God never desired for any of us to go to hell. He really didn't. And right. yet people go there all the time, good people all the time. And so sanctification, I believe there is an initial dose of it. But then I believe that the outer man perished day by day and is renewed. So I believe that it is a layered process. Healing isn't linear. We can't measure it straight across the board because if we do, we all fail. That's so good. Yeah. And if we, it is, and if we measure it that way, we'll actually tell the Lord, you know, how are you healing someone else so much better than you do me? We'll begin to believe that the Lord loves others more than he does us. And it's not true. Mm. The truth of the matter, he's taken away from us the thing we needed, right? What, whatever it was that key stone point that we were, we just couldn't get over without him. He'll remove that. 
and then he'll let you walk through the rest of it. Mm. Why? Because if you didn't walk through the rest of it, you'll eventually go back to it. Oh, so you've got to be sick of it. Because if, if not, the Bible says a dog returns to his own vomit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Oh. And I don't know about you, but until I got sick of being sick, that's yeah. when I changed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so is this kind of how you help, you know, help others now? Is this kind of what you say? That, tell me about how, what, yeah. how you got into ministry and what you do. You know, it's so funny. I so resonated when you said earlier that the Lord visited you. The Lord used to visit me as a child. And I remember thinking, I thought it was Jesus, but I didn't know. I wasn't really allowed to go to church. I wasn't encouraged. And I thought to myself, wow, you're bold. You coming in this place where, you know, I thought my dad was the biggest thing I'd ever known. Um, and he would come and just sit with me, Tanya. And, and when I was right around, uh, probably about, well, probably about 11 years old, right when, right with the, right at the pinnacle point of everything happening, he spoke to me and he said, I'm going to use you and, and you're going to begin to heal the hearts of many teenagers. You're going to speak to people. And I was like, what is this? And so I, I panicked because I was only 11 at the time. And I thought, Lord, they're older than me. Um, but I had a good uncle that was in the Lord and just happened to be visiting, just happened to be at my house that day. The Lord spoke to me. And so I told him and he said, it's okay, Tiffany, God will use you in the time. And so when I hit 22 and I gave my life to the Lord, all the promises he had spoken to me as a child, they, they bared fruit almost immediately. Within six months, I was teaching classes and drug addict classes. And, you know, who better to teach people about, hey, people, places and things and things you shouldn't be a part of than somebody who knew the, the inner workings of that, that type of environment. And so I began to um, participate in a program called Teen Challenge. Um, you know, or use the curriculum rather, let me clear that up the curriculum at the church level. Now today I actually have chances to preach at teen challenges here in Phoenix, uh, and home of hope for women, which I dearly love. Both are wonderful organizations that are making great impacts. And so my husband and myself, we go and we share our testimony about God's grace and faithfulness. You know, one of the best things about the Lord is whatever he called you to, no matter how much life has happened in the middle of that, that word will bear fruit. The um, moment you yield your life, it'll bear fruit. And so I just want to encourage somebody today who may feel stuck. Maybe you feel like your healing is stuck and you just don't understand why it's so hard. It's only stuck as long as you try to control the boat. But if you'll trust him to control the wind and the waves, he'll do it. He'll do it every time. And so the bad part is, is somebody who survives so much, sometimes we'll beat ourselves up for the little. Oh gosh, well, I didn't think right today. I didn't speak right today. I, I had fear last night when I went to sleep, whatever it is. I'm not telling you God wants you to live with those things, but what he wants you to do is live above those things. And so just to continue on in the faith, be encouraged. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows your name. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. So, <clears throat> yeah. So you guys, you do, y'all have a podcast as well, right? You have two podcasts or or you do like, is it the, the coffee? Right. You do a live one. Tell us about those. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, don't so husband, I don't want to butcher them. Oh yeah, that's okay. My husband and myself have a ministry called Yielded Life. If you want to know more about what we do, we itinerate, preach, and we travel and preach. So we'd love to come to a church near you. You can find that information at www.yieldedlife.org. Uh, as far as myself, I do a weekly Facebook live at uh, Monday mornings at 8.30 a.m. here in Phoenix time. And it's called Coffee and Tea with Tiffany. And we just talk about the Lord and what's going on and what he's saying. And we just kind of chat. It's for men and women. It's just a time around the table of the Lord. Simple as that. Um, my husband and myself on Tuesday nights at 5.30 p.m., we actually have another Facebook live that we do weekly and called Yielded Life Movement. And uh, 
we just come together and we talk about the happenings in the church and we, we talk about biblical principles, how to live. You know, so often we expect people to do better that don't, they don't know better. And so our heart is discipleship, Tanya. That's really what we're involved in. Uh, tons of mentorship, tons of discipleship. I love the prophetic, but but prophetic without principles just make problems. People, oh, wait, say that people again. don't understand. So well, yeah, prophetic. <laughs> say that again. That's good. <laughs> it's prophetic, right? Yeah, the prophetic without principles just cause problems. Yeah. Um, it, it's because people will get so heavenly minded, but they don't know how to operate here on earth. And so we really want to give a discipled way of walking. You know, Jesus was a God of order. Like he showed us how to do things. So right now we have a huge thing I'd love to tell you about very quickly. Um, prison doors are opening to us. And uh, my husband has a YouTube channel that is seen in the prison. He had it before we were married. And so uh, at Howard Bell on YouTube, you can look, Yielded Life, you can look on YouTube, but either which way. So we're going into the prisons. We actually have uh, five events that coming up the next week and a half. We're going to the ladies' prisons now, which is really great. So my husband is a two-time author. And what we are doing, his latest book, Yielded the Posture of True Love, we're actually donating it to the prisons. And so people are supporting it. Uh, God has put on my heart to ask the people, hey, would you put a, this book in the hand of a prisoner? So the books are about $15 and people go on our website and they just support them. And right now we have 200 and something books we're fixing to take to a prison. Uh, we're gathering up some more and they're coming in every day. So we're looking at giving away a few thousand books here in the next three months. And so if anyone wants to be a part of that, we would love that help and support. You know, Tanya, I did something, and I don't know if you've ever done this. I said I would never go back into prison again when my dad died. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. You ever tell the Lord what you'll never do. Oh, you no. might as well get prepared <laughs> to go do it. Uh, but that's one, of the, that's one of the layers of my healing. I didn't want to go back in there. I was so tired of it. I felt like I spent every holiday from 13 on. And now today I go in there and I visit. And you know what? I, I, I remember saying as a girl who didn't know the Lord, I wish somebody would go into prison and tell my dad. Wish they would tell him about Jesus. Well, now I'm that somebody. And, and my husband's that somebody. We go tell other people's dads about Jesus so that somebody else can find the hope of glory. And so um, that is our heart. And we would love, love to have a relationship with you and your listeners and anybody who would like to be a part of that. That's awesome. I love it. So is the so how does that work as far as the books? Is it is it on Amazon or, or, how, or your site and a person buys it, yeah. it y'all take it to them or how does that right work? that's exactly okay. how it works so if you go to our website which is www.yieldedlife.org you can actually hit our donate tab and it'll drop down for you and it'll say buy a book for a prisoner and so you click that it, you give your how much ever it's at least $15 per book but how much ever God tells you to give you sew into that you can do it monthly you can do however recurring you'd like or just one-time gift. And what we'll do is we'll actually take the book to the prisoners and put it in their hands ourselves. And uh, so we, we go and minister. It's a full church service. And then we present uh, the books to the chaplain who will actually get it to the prisoners. And uh, it's such an opportunity. It's, it's not his latest book is not a huge book. It's an easy read. It's right where a prisoner can read, get everything they need to know about finding hope. You know, prison's a dark place. And sometimes we think, well, everybody deserves that. But you know who's there? They deserve it. I'm going to tell you this. If I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be sitting on this amazing show today. All right. Right. So I, I, I'm <laughs> so glad that I serve a God who doesn't give me, he took what I deserved. Right. And so today, today we're just able to bring a little bit of hope. And if there's prisons out there that are listening, we want to partner. We want to be in a relationship. And so 
Um, we're hoping to hit every prison in America. That's a big old dream, isn't it? But God says dream big. Yes. And it's a dream big season. And so we are looking to do that. Um, honestly, Tanya, we, we're looking, this is such a big dream, but I'm sure because you said we're girlfriends. We're looking for an RV. We need an RV to okay. travel. Well, all right. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, uh-huh. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. So if any of you like to give towards that, do so. Um, we're seeing lives change. We just did two days in a prison of nothing short of a revival. In prison, you know, you have to declare your actual religion, right? You can only go to those services. But we had a very wise chaplain partner with us, and he opened it up to any religion in the prison. By day two, his office was flooded with people changing to Christianity and saying, I want to serve the God of Howard and Tiffany. Oh, wow. Because if that's what God really is, we want to change. Yeah. And so we're seeing revival. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise God. I mean, listen, going into the prisons and helping people get set free, discipleship. I love that you mentioned that. Y'all are my kind of people. <laughs> Yes, we are the same people. Well, thanks so much, Tiffany, for coming on. I've had a blast and I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Is there anything else before we close? Oh, man, I'm just so grateful to be here. I love what you're doing. Thank you for giving me a voice today. And I just want your listeners to know, keep praying big. It is the season of open doors. God is going to do something. If he's promised you something, he's going to perform it. Don't don't give up. Oh, that's excellent. Awesome. Okay, guys. Until next time, be blessed in the Lord. This is Tanya with Great and Grace Podcast. Bye-bye.